the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Mortgage Matters with Misha, your source for real estate market updates and strategies and answers to your real estate lending questions. Now, to provide you with insight and help you navigate the constantly changing world of real estate lending, here's your host, financial services expert, Misha Dimitruk. Good afternoon, Bay Area, and happy, happy new year to you all. I hope you are all finding yourselves in a deep state of appreciation for all of the efforts and the hard work that you put in to create this lifestyle that you have for yourselves. Many, many of you do not take the time uh, to show yourselves the appreciation for how hard you are working and how much you do just to maintain what seems like a very standard living experience. And I'm here to tell you that I am speaking with people from across all economic standpoints and uh, all communities that where the majority of people are doing much better than they believe that they are. And almost no one that I speak to is giving themselves the due props for managing their expenses, mitigating loss, working to achieve greater in the coming year and setting themselves up for success as best as possible. The juggling of life is intense, ladies and gentlemen, and I would like everyone to just stop and look around them and see that the fruit of your labor is actually delicious and you deserve to enjoy it. So this show today is going to be dedicated to our goal for the year, which is financial success and strategy and and also appreciation for yourselves and the energy and the effort that you're going to put in in order to achieve these magnificent tasks that you've set for yourselves. Um, Our weekly challenge from last show was about formal pre-approval. And this is always a hot button. It's always an interesting topic and it always garners a lot of communication from our listeners. So thank you to everyone who reaches out, text, email, uh, Skype, uh, even on LinkedIn. I received a couple of messages there just this morning. Um, now, formal pre-approval for those of you who are new to the show varies from pre-qualification. I, I often hear people saying, well, I'd rather just not give you all the paperwork. Can you give me some sort of lesser assessment? And uh, and they've heard about pre-qualification. And so pre-qualification is essentially just you relaying your position to me. And based on what you tell me, I make a determination of how much I think you might be able to qualify for. Now, that's that's nothing to go write an offer with, and that's that's not even a, a position that I encourage anyone to be in. Um, you know, sometimes that conversation is important to have when you know that there's an issue. Maybe you just started a job. Maybe you hadn't worked in many, many months. Maybe you know you have credit issues that you need to address. But for the most part, everyone deserves and everyone should go out and get 
formal pre-approval done. Formal pre-approval is actually providing documentation. It's actually having credit review done. It's looking at the actual qualifying income. Oftentimes I find that clients are not aware of what income is actually eligible for use in a real estate transaction. No shock here. This is not your area of expertise. That would be my job. And so it's the originator's job to determine what income is eligible, what assets are eligible, and then relay over to a client why that information is or why those calculations are the way that they are. A lot of times people are confused. They think about their take-home pay as being their qualifying income, and that's just not the case. So a lot of applications come across my desk showing dramatically diminished income versus what's actually eligible for qualifying purposes. Now. In pre-qualification, you will tell someone, here's how much money I make. But you, without providing the documentation, I wouldn't have an understanding of exactly what your eligible income is. I might ask deeper questions about how you got to that number. But oftentimes, when someone isn't interested in doing a formal pre-approval, they get diminished a little bit because they're not They're not taking it all the way. And so people ask some hurried questions and then they provide a hurried answer. You wouldn't want this to take that path when you sought out a doctor's medical advice. You wouldn't want an attorney to take that path if you were seeking out legal advice. Please don't do yourselves the disservice of not ensuring you've given everything so that the people who are going to help you achieve what is likely your biggest purchase and one of the greatest financial goals that you can set for yourselves They have every piece of every information to help you along the way. So again, pre-qualification is a conversation. Pre-approval is actual documentation and review by your licensed originator to ensure that all of the pieces of your information are taken into consideration and help you determine exactly what you're eligible for, even if that just means for now. Oftentimes, the clients that I talk with They're not exactly prepared to make that payment today. They need the opportunity to try the intended payment on for size. And this is the best benefit that you can give yourself by getting formally pre-approved. Wear that payment. Try it on for size. Set aside the money that you would be paying in a mortgage payment. Pay your rent from it. Feel what it's like to deduct that money away from your cash flow for the month or for two months or for three months. Be really, really genuine with yourself about not adding to your credit card debt, not diminishing your lifestyle in ways that, you know, over the long haul are not going to be attainable and successful for you. Uh, You know, if if you're cutting back on your groceries for an entire month just to prove you can make it to that payment, how are you going to make up for those groceries next month? Or are you are you going on a sort of massive diet? Um, you know, what is the overall plan? Healthy habits, healthy habits in credit, healthy habits in savings, healthy habits in spending, healthy habits all the way around. All right, it's really the common goal that I want everyone to share in. And I think it's really important that we talk about the do's and don'ts in pre-approval the do's and don'ts and being prepared. And setting that money aside is going to help you understand exactly what it feels like to make that payment before it's a requirement of yours. And then you can adjust. Did you find that you made that payment easily and now you feel more confident in stretching your budget a little bit? Did you find that there were things that you just completely forgot you needed to include in your budget? Uh Uh-oh, I said the B word. A lot of people don't have a budget. 
They just don't have it set out. They know money comes in, money comes out. Lots of things are on auto pay and they haven't taken a hard look at what are all of their expenses? What are all of the subscriptions that you're paying for? What are all of the monthly dues you have to pay? What are all of the costs that you need to manage in order to live the life that you're living? And then what of that could change without making your quality of life diminished? Because that's a really big ticket for me. I believe homeownership is supposed to be a positive attribute in your life, that it's supposed to bring a sense of comfort and happiness. It might cause you to save differently. It might cause you to live a little bit differently in order to get the home that you want. But ultimately, it should not be you feeling oppressed by the home that you're living in. And if that's the case, then we need to talk about how to rebudget and how to look at, is this even working for you or not? And that's why the formal pre-approval process and the opportunity to try on these payments is absolutely paramount to your long-term success. Now, um, when it comes to formal pre-approval, I had some great phone calls about this and the the difference between pre-qualification and pre-qual comes up very, very often. Um, But I had a great conversation with Renee and Todd. Now, Renee and Todd have been living in the Bay Area for just a few short years. They moved here from another state. They were absolutely sticker shocked with the price point of the Bay Area, but they're now living it. And what they realized is that they didn't buy themselves enough house for a long future. And their starter home is great. They have gained some equity there. And now they're looking at what they can do in order to move up. And a lot of creativity has come into play. A lot of different suggestions were made, but they're really grappling with the concept of they have a very low rate on their current property and they've lived there for more than a year. And so what's the best play for them? Um, They have family members who have said, just sell it and don't worry about it. Move on, take your cash and run. I presented them with the opportunity of taking some of the equity in the form of cash to apply as a down payment somewhere else and keep that property as a rental. It's in a great school district. It's a very well-maintained home and it has a very low interest rate, making it cash flow positive for them if they were to turn around and rent it. Now, this was a terrifying prospect for Renee. Um, She thought the concept of being a landlord was just too much. Uh, Todd was all in on it. He was very excited about the concept, but the two of them needed to come to some happy ground on how they're going to manage this property and how they're going to work out this long-term financing conundrum. And we walked through the numbers and in the long run, Renee really felt comfortable not passing off the management of a prospective rental to someone else, but managing it themselves and being very intimately connected with the property still so that they vet the potential tenants very, very well and that they make sure that they do an annual inspection at the property so that the they're certain that their investment is being well-maintained by their tenant and that they have a strongly written lease put into place, including being an additional beneficiary on a renter's insurance policy so that if something does happen, the renter's insurance would be the one that carries the liability and that the prospective tenant, of course, all this is all futuristic conversation, um, doesn't have the ability to just walk away with the money and they are left with this damage, you know, fictitious damage. But all of these things were put into the conversation. And at the end of it, both Renee and Todd realized 
Todd realized he had more to consider about liability and responsibility when it came to this property. And Renee realized that there are things that can be done and fail safes to put in place so that their investment is safe and sound and that they can keep tabs on it without hovering too much. It was a great conversation and really a wonderful opportunity to show someone an alternative that and talk through their fears and, and talk through the glossing over of it's so easy, don't even worry about it. I also had a conversation with Marika. Now, Marika had been pre-approved and had been shopping and shopping and shopping. And then last year, early last year, she sort of fell off the radar and she just said, I'm just, I'm tired of imagining myself in this house or that house or this place and the other. And when the final conversation that I had with her in the spring of last year was she was just going to take her foot off the gas. And um, so she spent the the summertime exploring around and, and the fall. And she came back around after last week's show and said, you know, Misha, I really want to get back in and take a look at it. And we talked about what she qualifies for. We talked about down payment. We talked about current interest rates. And there was a property that she was moderately interested in. That property with the amount of money that she wanted to put down wasn't creating a monthly obligation that really fit for her budget. It was either going to require that she put more money down and not have as much of a nest egg left for herself or a monthly payment that she just didn't feel like she was going to be able to scrape by on. Now, this property in particular is in a neighborhood that the prices have come down quite a bit over the last few months. And so through the conversation, we talked about not shoving herself into a position that she's not comfortable with, even though she could negotiate it. So Marika made a, a smart choice based on her own feelings and intuitions and walking through the numbers. And that's what I'm here to do for all of you. We're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a moment. This is Mortgage Matters with Misha. This is Mortgage Matters with Misha with financial services expert, Misha Dimitruk. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back and we are talking pre-approval today. Pre-approval may very well be the single biggest gift you give to yourself when you decide that you want to explore making a home purchase. Whether it's a primary residence, a second home, an investment property, no matter. That is the peace of mind that gives you an understanding of what it is that you qualify for, how much that qualification is going to cost you, and what's your flexibility within those confines. So right now we're going to talk about some do's and don'ts when it comes to what happens once you are pre-approved. Let's say you've provided all of that documentation. And these are some big do's and don'ts. And uh, we talk about this in the start of every transaction to remind our clients of these steps, because these are the things that can cause you the biggest amount of struggle if you take them, <laughs> if you do these things while you're in a transaction. So do report any amount of money being contributed as a gift by anyone else. Do ensure that you know your bank statements will be reviewed for the deposits that come in and for the money that has moved, even between your own accounts. So if you are bringing in funds from anyone else in order to make a transaction work, you need to relay that over immediately. Do stay on top of all of your monthly debt payments. Getting behind at the beginning of a transaction 
does not bode well for you in the long run and can cause problems with your credit score and with your credit worthiness. Do keep making all of those debt patterns as you normally would. Do keep track of all of your deposits made into an account in case they come into underwriter question. Now, your bank statements will be reviewed, but periodically there will be evidence that needs to be provided, such as evidence that an initial deposit was contributed from your account or a subsequent deposit and a transaction history will need to be provided. So don't think, well, I gave them the statement from last month, so I'm fine to deposit something tomorrow and they'll never ask. They ask, we ask, and it's important that you keep track of them. Now, keeping track of the deposits isn't just how much did you have. If grandma gave you a check for $5,000 because she found out you were buying a house and it says right on there, house buying fund, keep a copy of the check and know that if those monies are going to participate in the transaction, grandma's going to have to write a gift letter that says explicitly this is a gift for the purchase of that specific property. And grandma is going to have to provide evidence that she has the ability to give the gift in the form of a bank statement. So bringing in money from ad additional people, whether they are well-intended or even I've had clients say, oh, someone borrowed money from me and they just paid me back. That can cause problems. Depositing cash that you held in a safe or under your bed or in a safety deposit box that you don't have a very detailed paper trail of can also become problematic. In the event that we don't have the ability to explain, provide evidence of, and create a very solid explanation of the entire deposit paper trail, et cetera, those funds are can be disallowed in a transaction. So imagine how frustrating it would be to know you need that additional $10,000, $15,000 in order to close on the home and because you don't have the proper paperwork, you can't use that money. Now you have to go and find someone else who can provide the paperwork and gift you that amount of money to allow the transaction to close. I promise all of these are for your best benefit and really important for you to follow. Do not make any lifestyle changes like quitting your job, changing to less hours. Uh, promotions are one thing. Increases in pay are, are one thing. If you take a demotion in pay, in hours, if you change to a different job in the middle of a transaction, there will be problems. Even if you have an offer letter, in order to close using that income for even that new job that you have, you have to have received at least one day's pay at the rate that's indicated. So oftentimes people will say, well, I'm going to move to another state and I'll, I'd like to buy the house and then move there. Well, unless the job you're leaving has remote work opportunity, you're not going to be able to leverage that job in order to buy that house. You're going to have to move, stay in the hotel, stay with family, rent a house and work until you have received that first day of pay in order to close on a transaction. We can pre-approve you based on a formal offer letter, but we cannot close until you have been paid based on that qualifying income. Do not take out new loans while you're in the shopping and buying phase. It dramatically affects your ability to qualify. Uh, don't make big purchases, even if it's, uh, you know, a a 0% interest offer, even if you think you're going to pay it off pretty rapidly. Um, don't close any of your existing credit cards. 
don't open new credit cards. Even if the cashier says you can get 15% off of this order today if you just open that card quickly, do not make big deposits or withdrawals even between your own accounts. There's no reason to be moving money. It's only going to cause headache for you. So please keep all the funds where they are parked. Uh, don't change banks or open any other banks and don't let any other third parties make credit inquiries. All of these things will require you having to show up and provide more explanation and documentation and writing letters. And we're trying to save you from the headache and hassle of having to do extra work. So these do's and don'ts are the basics. If you have questions about things that you think you need to do while you are in the middle of shopping or in a transaction, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. 831-435-0385 is my cell phone, M-E-S-H-A at EssexMortgage.com. You can also find me on Facebook or LinkedIn. And don't be afraid if you're not getting the service that you deserve and you just need advice on the moment. I have plenty of people and plenty of listeners who contact me and say, hey, I just have a quick question. I don't want to jeopardize my situation. And we answer the question and we move on for their best benefit. This is Mortgage Matters with Nisha. We're going to take a break and we'll be back in a moment. It's Mortgage Matters with Misha. Once again, here's Misha Dimitruk. All right. We are back today talking about the benefits of formal pre-approval. Now, for a good many of you, you're probably not even looking at the credit card bills that have come in or are about to come in just yet. But I assure you, later this month, that reality hits a lot of people in this country. And the concept of what am I going to do next really is on the table. When it comes to setting the tone for your financial year ahead, be honest with yourself first and foremost. Make sure you open those mail envelopes if you're still getting your statements in paper. Make sure you download those credit card statements if you're getting them electronically and take a look at the interest rate being charged and what it was you actually put on them. Oftentimes, the use of credit is, is twofold. You're looking to get points and rewards for a purchase or a travel that you plan to make in the future, or it's just out of habit. We don't carry cash as much as we used to, and therefore we spend a lot more on our credit cards. Now, I've, I've had this situation many times over where the person in front of me at a store, um, they are using their debit card and they go to make the purchase and they go to indicate credit. And someone will tell them, no, don't, don't select credit because that means your bank is going to charge you interest on this purchase. Um, so I just want to take this opportunity to explain to people, your debit card may have a major credit card logo associated with it. It is not your debit card for your checking or savings account is not a credit card. By selecting credit, when you're utilizing your debit card, by selecting credit, you bypass putting in your personal PIN. That is it. You are never going to be charged interest by utilizing your debit card tied directly to your checking and savings accounts if you select credit at a store. You are only bypassing punching in your PIN. Now, I always encourage my clients to only utilize their PIN when they are at an ATM for their own banking institution. Do not punch in your PIN at the gas station. Do not punch in your PIN when you are at other banks. Do not punch in your PIN when you are at a convenience store. This is putting too much of your information out there. And if there are 
skimming machines available, they are recording this information and allowing greater access to your cash. So please know that by selecting credit when using your bank's debit card tied directly to your checking and savings accounts, you are not being charged interest. You are only bypassing the need to put in your personal PIN. If you have more questions about that, please don't hesitate to talk to your bankers. They will be more than happy to explain that to you. When it comes to the documentation that's required for formal pre-approval, oftentimes people find themselves feeling uncomfortable about the situation because the documentation that we're asking for is considered very private and confidential. Most of the time, what's being asked for people is valid photo identification. Before I pull credit for anyone, I want to make sure that the person providing me with all of these details is the person who they say they are. And if they don't have the ability to validate their identity, then we have them provide additional documentation to support that. We ask that you provide documentation supporting your income, including the most recent 30 days of pay stubs, at least, W-2s for the prior two years, or 1099s or K-1s, depending on how your income is derived. We'll also request full federal tax returns, including all pages and schedules, not just the state returns, not just the summary page. If you don't have your W-2s, you may need to request them from your human resources department or from your employer. Um, likewise, if you have income in commission, overtime, or bonus, you may be required to provide year-end pay stubs for the prior two years because that type of income is averaged over 24 months. If you don't have that breakdown of information, we have to go to your human resources or payroll department. And oftentimes there's a cost associated with it um, and a delay in the process. So being sure you have your paperwork is of the utmost importance. Your most recent two months bank statements or the most recent quarter. Now, bank statements are tricky because a lot of people, when they download their statement, there's a page that says this page left blank intentionally. I wish they didn't, but they still format these as if they were front and backside copies. And so they leave a page blank to make it look nicer. We need to have all of the pages, even the blank one, because each of those pages is numbered. And in order to ensure we have the complete statement, we have to have pages one through nine, every single one of them. In the most recent quarterly or recent annual statement, we need to have also a screenshot on annual statements that shows that account still exists. And in quarterly statements, we need to have the most recent quarter, all pages included. If you have questions, if you need help, 831-435-0385. We will be taking a short break and back in a few. This is Mortgage Matters with Misha with financial services expert, Misha Dimitruk. All right, Bay Area. We are back talking today about formal pre-approval. Now, what I think is important to highlight here is in all that you're going to give in order to obtain that formal pre-approval, what do you get in return? And here's the story. You get to understand your purchase power. Now, I say it like that because it is powerful to know what you qualify for, but you have to understand the terms. You have to know what's the interest rate that you're being qualified at. What type of a loan are you taking out? How long is that loan requiring payments from you for? 
what's included in that payment? Is that principal and interest? Is it interest only? Does it require you pay taxes and insurance also every month? What are the costs associated with that loan? Is the rate, <clears throat> excuse me, is the rate that you're being qualified at requiring you to buy down an interest rate? What other fees are you paying in relation to this transaction? Who else are the parties that you will be paying for their expertise in the transaction? If you have never been through a purchase before, you absolutely want someone to walk you through an estimate of the payment, the terms, an understanding of what rate you are being qualified at versus what's the market rate today. Because in, an, in a market where the rate is rising, I qualify all of my clients at greater than market rate today because it's unlikely they're getting into contract today. So I want them to know, here's what I qualified you at, and it's this much above what the current rate is in the market today. And then we can talk about the option of buying down an interest rate. I go through with each of my clients what the fees and costs associated with the transaction are, who the players are that will be privileged to reviewing the documentation, getting paid. What do they get paid for? Who pays them? At what point do they get paid? Do you have to have any contact with them? Are you allowed any contact with them? Walking someone through the process in advance, giving them a narrative of how we all come together for their benefit is really what my role is. It's not just in showing you, here are the numbers. It's not just in showing you, here's how we get to your end result. It's also in being your ally and being your, your mortgage Sherpa along the way. I'm carrying, I'm doing the heavy lifting. I'm requiring what's needed from you and handling everything else that would be needed in the process and putting as little on you as the consumer, as the buyer or the borrower, we call it in our industry, as possible. The goal here is by getting formally pre-approved, you have done your heavy lifting upfront. Now, that's not to say that you will not be required to provide additional and updated documentation once you get to an actual transaction. Your formal pre-approval is good for 90 days. 90 days because that's how long your credit report is valid for. Now, that doesn't mean that when we go to a closing, your credit report information is 90 days old. Your credit will be refreshed while you are in transaction. And that is why in the do's and don'ts, we talked about not opening new accounts, not allowing credit pulls, not changing the way you utilize debt dramatically because your credit will be reviewed again. So for those of you who are thinking, okay, well, I can save more money if I just put all, everything onto my credit card for the next two months. Your credit card has a minimum required payment that correlates to the balance on your card. If your balance goes up, your minimum payment goes up. That can affect your qualification. Now, if, if you know you're putting a large amount of money down, then there's no need to stack onto your credit card in order to do that. Um, there's no reason to go about that effort. But for the most part, when people are doing that, it's because they're trying to make sure that they have enough money for the transaction once they get there. And that can be detrimental because if all of a sudden you have a much larger payment on that credit card than you did at the beginning of the transaction because you chose to put things onto your credit card and preserve that cash so that you could have enough money to get to the closing, you could likewise jeopardize your qualification. That's why that pre-approval in advance and living as if you're making that payment already 
is going to be so vital to your success because we want to make sure that you understand how how to navigate this process of making the payment that you will be required to make once you've closed on the property. And once you've closed on the property, there are going to be additional expenses. So watching someone spend down to their very last penny is not something that I advise my clients to do. We talk about how much money do you need to have left in the bank when this transaction is concluded so that you can sleep well at night, so that you can be comfortable, so that you can be prepared to manage you or your family's financial needs? How much is it going to cost for you to move, physically move? How much is it going to cost for the things you need to do before you move into that house? For some people, it's very minimal. For some people, it's they, they just show up and clean and, and move their stuff in. For some people, they need to paint. For some people, they need to make repairs. For some people, they need to adjust the house in some way. We need to ensure that the conversations that we have walk everyone through to a transparent position about how much money there really is, how much money is going to be left on the table in your bank account, in your retirement accounts, and how much money needs to be brought to the closing in order to successfully capture that transaction. Now, when you have your formal pre-approval, and you have a valid estimate of all of the costs and fees, it's not just the loan cost. I see a lot of this in the marketplace and it's very deceptive. There are other costs that are required to be paid in a transaction. And it includes appraisal, title and escrow. Title and escrow, title manages the legal documentation associated with the property. Escrow is the neutral third party that handles all of the actual paperwork and the money exchange. The appraisal is the person who provides valuation for the home. The city, the county, they have requirements for taxes that will be required depending on where it is you're living. The state, depending on the transaction that you're uh, participating in. And then there will be daily expenses, per diems as we call them, interest and uh, tax prorations where you're paying back the seller who already paid some of their tax bill for the year and requires that they get repaid because now you're going to own the home. There are a lot of other fees to take into consideration aside from just the loan costs. So I want everyone to be the most informed consumer they can be. We're going to take a break and we'll come back with this week's challenge. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with Misha. It's Mortgage Matters with Misha. Once again, here's Misha Dimitruk. All right, Bay Area. My favorite part of the show, as anyone who listens to the show knows, is the weekly challenge because it gets you, our listeners, to give me an insight into how the information that I'm presenting to you affects you, impacts you, motivates you. So this week's challenge is for the self-employed. Now, self-employed borrowers have a unique opportunity that W-2 employees do not, and that is that their income calculations are based solely on tax return in a full documentation loan, meaning that their income documentation is still their 2020 and 2021 tax returns all the way until tax filing date in April. It gives them several months advantage to utilize those numbers based on income and qualify moving forward with a transaction without having to look at the entire of 2022. Now, for a lot of people, 2022 was clipping along quite nicely until inflation started to hit. And then the cost of goods and services skyrocketing 
created a leveling of the income that they were receiving. And for some people, their profits diminished greatly. If you know that you have remedied that situation and your income is stable otherwise, you still have a great opportunity to utilize 2021 and 2020 tax returns. Additionally, in a full documentation loan scenario, if you have been self-employed in the same field for more than five years, there may be an opportunity that we only need to look at one year of tax returns. So for those of you who are in the position of being self-employed and filing your income either on a separate tax return for your company or on a scheduled for your personal tax returns, we want you to know you have opportunity here in the market. And as people continuously bombard all of us with the message, put your investments into something tangible because the markets themselves are volatile. And we don't want a situation where people are losing their equity in stocks, bonds, in savings arenas that are fluctuating rapidly. The opportunity to park your current asset in a tangible, such as real estate, is definitely a strong move for you. Also know that as a self-employed person, you have a lot more flexibility in the market. There are a good many ways for you to qualify. There are bank statement loans where we can derive income from the deposits that you make into your business. And there are profit and loss only loans where your tax preparer can provide an unaudited profit and loss in order to allow you to qualify. Additionally, there are no income documentation loans available to help you secure that financing that you deserve. If you have questions about how that would work for you, then please don't hesitate to reach out to me and let me know how you need to be supported, what questions you have, because I find the conversation with self-employed clients comes in one of two ways. One, they believe everything is available to them, or two, they've been told but by the people at their local bank, their big box bank, their credit union, that they have no opportunity. And there's really very few people who have the awareness of having everything available to them and then understanding what would actually result in a transaction for them or how they can navigate the markets. Now, this isn't just if you were purchasing a primary residence. This is for a second home. This is for an investment property. There's a lot of strategy that can be employed by the self-employed right now, this time of year, in order to help you get to making that transaction a reality before tax filing times, before that 2022 tax return has to come into play. So if you need an understanding of what you would qualify for, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Here at Essex Mortgage, we truly believe that education is the foundation of this industry and you receiving the best education and information that you need in order to make great decisions that you feel good about is why we are all here. So please allow us to be of service to you. My phone number again, 831-435-0385. You can reach me by email, M-E-S-H-A at EssexMortgage.com. You can also find me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Now, for those of you who are interested in how you're going to structure the coming year, and we talked a few weeks ago about getting your budget taken care of and dialing that in and getting your goals lined up. I've had some great conversations with our listeners who were able to take their budget and their goals, and together we have created a path to help them achieve. Several of our listeners are on track already to achieving their 2023 goals 
and are making excellent headway in the tasks that they need in order to get there. It is the same for all of you. We are available and we can help you craft the path to where you would like to go. It is why we do what we do. Now, mortgage rates have come up, have come down. They have come back down, settled down a little bit. This week, rates are a little bit improved. Uh, We have seen higher interest rates over the last few weeks, um, but a little bit of a lessening today. And we're hopeful that things will be a little bit more mellow going into the first quarter of the year. Uh, The general consensus on interest rates is that they will rise again slightly this year, and uh, hopefully that inflation will show that it's stifled in some capacity so that we can all begin to have a better understanding of what the markets are doing and have a better predictable idea of where rates will go because of it. Over the last few years, the market has been so volatile that the traditional markers of what rates would be responding to and how they might have responded has just gone completely out the window. And so we're uh, we're all sort of sitting at the edge of our seats and trying to capitalize on what is, in the moment, a still great opportunity. For those buyers who are younger in years and the concept of rates in the sixes seems to be nauseating um, because you're used to the lower rate environment, this is much more the norm that we've experienced for years and years and years. And people have been gaining tremendous amounts of equity in their properties and gained on their financial and portfolios in real estate, again, tremendously. So even if we take the two last historic, unprecedented years of growth off the table, people were still in the Bay Area achieving at least 11% year-over-year growth on their real estate, whereas the national average was four. Still a very sound investment and still a great opportunity. More properties on the market now than ever in the last uh, few months and definitely in the last few years. So it's a fantastic time to be a buyer. Sellers who are still in there thinking that now's a great time to sell, you are still right. You're still going to capitalize on the growth that you have paid into in maintaining that property. And we look forward to hearing from any of you of our listeners and anyone who needs support and guidance in the real estate lending environment. I am Misha Dimitrov again, Essex Mortgage, NMLS 694427. Be well and stay safe, Bay Area. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.